0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: I made it, guys. I almost did it. I'm going to tell you about my travel fail later in the show. But suffice it to say, I was minus two minutes on time uh, to, to get prepped for this show. And uh, we got a lot to get to tonight. We were smack dab in the middle of our show last night when the Jim Irsay, uh Jeff Saturday presser happened. So we got to get into that. We also have college football playoff rankings coming out. Um, and we've got Jeff Turn. Before we get into the Ursay stuff, because there was a lot to react to from that presser during Monday Night Football, interestingly timed. Uh, But let's ask you first on this second of the CFP rankings. um, Do you have a guarantee or an expectation after a wild weekend?
0: Well, I can guarantee you that George is going to be number one. I'm going That's out right. on a limb there. Yep, <laughs> uh, but I will say I think
1: I think TCU gets to
0: four. Uh, I think that with the way things shook out last week, that they deserve to be in that spot. And you know, it's funny because I'm guaranteeing they'll be at number four this week, and then they're seven point underdogs as they take on Texas this mm. week. So they, the the makers may know that they'll be there for one week. And then they'll be out. Um, I think that you know, the Georgia part is the easiest part of it all. And then we'll sort of see where they go else. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we'll see Michigan and Ohio State in there as well.
1: I was going to say exactly the same. I mean, the guarantee is that George will be sitting at number one. The TCU one is interesting because I think most people think, Hey, listen, committee, take the gimme while you can and validate the way that TCU has been playing, validate that undefeated record while you can before things get even stickier. But there have been three times during the CFP era that a team has lost in the regular season, remained in the top four the next week. And you know, I think that that could be likely if they decide to mess around and start looking at strength of schedule and everything else, instead of going with the gimme that they could take with TCU this week. We'll get into that later in the show, but that announcement is coming soon. um, And then we'll get an expert in to break down the decisions that have been made after a crazy week in college football. Speaking of crazy, the, the reaction to Jeff Saturday getting hired as the interim coach of the Colts, not a surprise. Jeff himself sounded pretty surprised in the presser last night when he talked about the, opportunity. So I love the honesty. I love the acceptance of the situation and what a shock it was to get the call. But I got to tell you, Jeff, as a woman, I'm always hearing guys that are like, yeah, no one ever expected anything. I keep getting all these amazing opportunities despite no expectations. I'm always like, yeah, that sounds like the typical white guy. Just stumble into opportunity after opportunity. Now, he's obviously proven himself as an analyst, as a consultant, as a player, as a confidant for Ursa. Um, And I think a lot of people think hey, if you're going to be put in a position, be put in one where they kind of want to fail so that they've got a shot at a quarterback. But it's it's much more complicated than the binary of if they lose every game from here on out, Saturday was a success.
0: Right. I think that there's there's so many different variables that you can throw into the conversation like this. Um, you know, the the race conversation obviously comes up. The experience conversation obviously comes up. And then there's the motives. Like, what is the end game here for Jeff Saturday? I mean... Personally, I don't believe Jim Ursay woke up and said, hey, I want some white guy to be my next head coach, and I'm not going to hire one of our black assistants. So I don't think that Jim Ursay needs to be cornered into that, saying that you know, he intentionally did something here based on race. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem, though. If you, are, if you are experienced in the game of football and you have a relationship with someone in power, whether it's at the league office or whether it's somewhere else, whether you're black, white, or whatever – That you may get a step up over someone that uh, may be a little bit more, you know, longer in the tooth than you or had more experience. And again, regardless of race, I think relationships are so important in the hiring process because it's who you're comfortable with and you have to trust them. And I think, you know, the one thing that comes back to me in all of this is that, you know, there aren't black owners out there. So you can't have the realistic conversation of, oh, I hire someone that looks like me and that's someone I'm comfortable with because there aren't those examples. And so I think, you know, there has to be real conversations about putting more people at the interview table uh, that you typically wouldn't. But that doesn't always mean you have to hire that person uh, based on some sort of narrative that there aren't enough black coaches. Uh, I think in the NBA it's a prime example of how we've maybe gone in a different direction where you have had people like Derek Fisher and people like Jason Kidd and Mark Jackson step into head coaching roles with absolutely zero experience and been successful in those roles, uh, given those opportunities. And so I think it can go both ways. Um, Again, it's coming from a white guy, so I understand how people will hear it from myself versus someone that's lived the inadequacies of the hiring process that I haven't lived. I haven't had those shared experiences, so I can't sit here and say I know how it feels. But I I don't believe that – you know. The narrative about Jim say making a, a bad decision based on race well, is as that's valid where I as want to step in bad... though
1: because I I don't think people are saying that the problem is that he intentionally hired a white guy instead of intentionally hiring a black wow. guy. I think what the conversation is is the potentially even subconscious decision making of people in power to always hire the person they're comfortable with that might be at the expense of an incredible talent that they're overlooking. Right, so it's not that I'm choosing a binary of white versus black. It's that by virtue of always hiring who I'm most quote unquote comfortable with or who looks like me and I have a relationship with, that is facilitating a transfer of power over and over again to the same people while not considering that the most qualified and perhaps best to do the job are consistently overlooked as a result of those relationships. And I think that's what the conversation is. It's not Urse had it to hire a black guy. It was that for all of the excuses we hear as to why the NFL looks so white at its highest spots, what usually is thrown out as the reason is not enough experience. And then every time there are these guys who jump over the existing coordinators or people who have been working, trying to get that experience to get those opportunities, then the excuse is, well, this is good because he doesn't have it. Like this is literally what, so take a listen to Jim Mercer last night. And this is just one example. But he starts out, and by the way, if you're an owner and you're in a position of defending your decisions instead of announcing them, you're kind of already on tilt there a little bit. But here he is starting out by using Jeff Sattery's experience with the team as the reason for the hire.
2: He has tons of experience. He knows this game inside and out um, with relationships with coaches and players um, uh, and and has been a consultant for us for several years, a paid consultant, um, you know, uh, informing Chris and I and other people in the organization, you know, his opinions. Uh, So to me, um, uh, you know, I, I know people can. You know, look out and, and, and see it uh, and, and ask that question. But, um, you know, the, you know that, that doesn't surprise me. I understand. Look, at, I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team because I've been around for 52 years.
1: Okay. Then he follows that up immediately with questions about Saturday's inexperience as a plus.
2: I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that, that fear. And there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available.
1: And I think that the double talk is kind of the confusion here because If you're being realistic, this is a Colts team that would benefit from losing every single game and having a really high draft pick to get a quarterback, which is what they need. At the same time, what damage do you potentially do to the existing roster and the franchise by bringing in someone who isn't able to – Bring this collection of players and coaches together and move forward in a positive way. All of these things are part of this conversation. We're going to get into it some more with an expert who covers the team and has for a long time uh, a part of uh, of the indie scene. And I'm I'm certain we'll have very strong opinions coming up next. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at JTESPN. ESPN Nations presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Jeff and I will keep talking about this with an expert, someone close to the situation. Coming up next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Takes her flying fast and furious as Jeff Saturday takes over as the new interim head coach of the Colts. With losing every game going forward be a success? How exactly will we judge the reign of Jeff Saturday? It's Spain and Fitz. Jeff Turn in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jeff, tell them the call sign where they can regularly hear you.
0: Uh, That would be ESPN Sioux Falls at ESPN Sioux Falls and uh, 102.3 AM 1000 KSO for all uh, 10 of you that will follow that lead. We appreciate
1: that. (laughs) Do it. ESPN radio (laughs) is presented by progressive insurance. Let's head out to Indy where longtime columnist for the Indianapolis star Greg Doyle joins us. He wrote a story, uh, not pulling any punches about what we saw last night during Monday night football, a presser that they backed up several times, presumably to time it during that game. Greg. I want to start with the binary that people keep holding up, which is there's no risk in hiring Jeff. It's a win because the goal is to lose. Aren't there other damages that can be done to a team and a franchise by embracing that ethos? Yeah, I don't
3: think this is about losing. I think that's a tired, I think that's silly. I don't, I don't think that's what this is about. This is about trying to get somebody in there um, just to maybe reset the culture um, and, and to keep – Ursley in the loop, Saturday and Ursay are close. You know, maybe Saturday's there almost the almost as a problem solver, you know, a quality control guy. Let me come in and take it take stock of what we have here and going forward figure it out. By the way, Jeff, my son spent a night in a hotel last night in Sioux Falls of all places. I live in Indy, <laughs> he's heading to Yellowstone. That's oh, the man. park where he's gonna be wonderful. How about so, that yeah, for a connection so, there,
0: Greg?
1: Yeah
3: crazy my jaw dropped when i heard sioux falls and that
0: that this
3: is the only time in the next three years i will even think of sioux falls and forgive me for my listening but i don't know if you're in south dakota or iowa and i don't want to know so don't tell me
0: it would be south dakota i'm gonna tell you all right i want to follow up on that though greg for a second because you know uh could an argument be made that one of the reasons why jim ursay didn't go with one of the coaches on on the staff? was because he's sort of fed up with the way that the season has gone. And, you know, he's frustrated and fires Frank Wright, but he may be frustrated with the rest of that staff that Frank Wright put together?
3: Well, I mean, look, I find it very interesting that people are kind of outraged or shocked or whatever that Gus Bradley and John Fox aren't the head coach. I mean, that's how you tank. If you want to tank, you you promote Gus Bradley. If you want to (laughs) tank, you promote John Fox. Those guys Mm -hmm. have proven they can do one thing really well. They can lose. So, hey, I know. Let's go get a guy. He's got experience. He sucks. But he's done it before, so he can he'll know how he's sucking when he's here. I don't understand that. Jeff Saturday is a, and I don't mean to be the homer. Jeff Saturday might stink, but he's a lightning bolt out of the blue. I mean, I love a lightning bolt out of the blue. We could go boring, Gus. Brad, Gus Bradley, you suck. We go John. John Fox, <laughs> you suck.
1: I don't even know yeah, why. Yeah, John on the Fox in Chicago. Dead fish of a hire in Chicago. Man, was that brutal to watch from here. Uh, yeah. Greg Doyle, sports columnist for the Indianapolis Stars with us. So you seem fine with an uh, outside-the-box hire here. Um, I'm still concerned, though, about what it means for a team to have someone in place who sure, certainly can be a, a cultural uh, lightning bolt, certainly can go back and report to Jim Mercer about what he sees uh, every day and what the problem might be. But what about actually knowing – you know, who's going to call plays and what his re- job responsibilities are on the sideline and how he communicates with his staff, many of whom he might have to introduce himself to for the first time, none of that concerns you?
3: No, because you got to remember who he is. This is almost like, uh, I mean, how many ESPN commentators have been catchers that have gone on David Ross? This is David Ross. Right. This is a guy who was an NFL catcher. He was a center, which means you've got to be the smartest guy on the team just about for Peyton Manning in this city, and, and no, he's not been head coach. I mean, I, look, I'm not saying he's a it, – you don't hire Jeff Saturday in July to take over your team. That's that's crazy. But the Colts are on autopilot right now. They know when their meetings are. They know when practice is. They know where the, the food is. They know what time everything is. He's going to come in and take over the autopilot and just take a look at what's going on and add his own tweaks and whatever. And it might work, it might not, but what was happening before definitely is not was not working. So – and you have to – to me, you got to think about – what NFL head coaches have been for so long until this recent era of the Sean McVay's of the world, they've been, they were CEOs. They weren't calling their own plays all the time. They weren't defense coordinators. They were CEOs. Jeff Saturday is the CEO head coach and any football coach in the NFL is only as good as his coordinators or whoever's calling the plays. And right now they don't have anybody calling the plays. It was Frank Reich and that wasn't working. So no, he doesn't have a good coordinator right now because the the guy that they had is gone and defense coordinator is Gus Bradley, the defense is actually pretty good. So, Jeff Saturday, to know how good he is as a head coach, we will only know if, if he gets this job or another one next year with a legit guy calling plays because this is just – they're just coasting on fumes. I mean, I think to judge Saturday on what's going on right now with a bad roster, they got the coach fired, they're coasting on fumes. He's just here to coast.
0: And is the next big question then in Indianapolis about Chris Ballard and the job he's doing in regards to putting the roster together that Frank Wright was coaching and now that Jeff Saturday is coaching?
3: Yeah, I mean, that that should have been the question already. I, I, you said I wrote one, no punches pulled from the thing last night. that It was a total crap show. I wrote two yesterday, and I, I wrote one much earlier. That, as soon as I heard the news that Reich was fired, My the whole story is Chris, Frank Reich was fired, dot, 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 but not Chris Ballard, too? Like, I don't get that. Mm, um, right. It's like the chicken or egg. Which one came first? Which one is worse? Both of them. Um, both of them. I don't know how you say this guy. This guy's the reason we're not in a good, not bad guy. I know they're both. They're both equally at fault. And to take sides, I, I actually suspect I think Ballard's gone. I don't know that. I'm not reporting that. I just my t- my judgment, my insight, my instincts tell me that he's gone, and he knows he's gone. Well, and so I, far I, when I'm, Jim gives con- you
1: a vote of confidence, you're gone. That didn't work for Reich, didn't work for Ryan. Uh, so exactly. it feels like that. You should have the, seen Ballard
3: in that press conference last night. he 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 wasn't pouting necessarily. But he didn't want to be there. I mean, he was miserable. He was embarrassed. He's a proud guy. And he didn't pick Jeff Saturday. And I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't like Saturday, but it's hard to be the GM and sit up there with the world watching, knowing that you didn't fire Frank Reich, you didn't hire mm-hmm. Jeff Saturday, mm-hmm. and you're not running the show anymore. I mean, it's, he's kind of been puppetized, and he was miserable. And I suspect he's been told you're gone, and for various reasons they're going to make it official later.
1: Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis Star is with us at Greg Doyle Stars, where you can follow him and find his stories uh, on this uh, development in Indianapolis. I want to ask you quickly. You mentioned that Ursay is is at the reins, and you know I heard someone talking about how over the course of the last couple of years, you've started to see him not lay back and hire the right people to make decisions, which was the beginning of his tenure after taking over the team, inheriting the team. Now he's been there long enough that he se- seems to think that. He knows well enough to, to make all the decisions himself. Is it good for the Colts when Jim Ursay is the one making decisions about coaches and quarterbacks?
3: Jim you know, yes and no, mainly no. But, but, the, but you have to point out a couple things. Is A, that he was actually the GM. He was the GM for his dad, but he was the GM. So I put Ursay up there with Jerry Jones as far as owners who actually know the game. Neither one should be calling shots. I'm not saying that. But the, I, he's up there with Jerry Jones as far as knowing it. Um, but he is the one that picked Peyton over Ryan Leaf, and yeah, right now we laugh at that. But 20 years ago, nobody was laughing. That was a hard choice. He's the one that picked Luck over RG3, and yeah, you can laugh at that now. But eight or 10 years ago, people weren't laughing. Right. That was a legit choice. So, Ursay every now and then makes the hard choices. He told me last week that he tries not to meddle, but the big choices—hiring and firing coaches, hiring, and firing GMs, picking a franchise quarterback in the draft—he won't necessarily make that call, but he'll be right there in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating I, to I, see.
3: your question. He doesn't need to be doing this much more. No, this is not good. He needs to hire somebody he thinks is an expert and is an expert and then get out of the way. That, that is the way this thing should work.
1: Well, we'll see what happens with Jeff Saturday and what the different levels of success in terms of people gauging success for this team right now. Uh, and we'll continue following your work, Greg. Thanks for the insight. Appreciate it.
3: Nice talking to you, Sarah. And Jeff, uh, happy so-called so to you.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks man. Today Be is well. Sue Falls Day across the nation. Uh, Greg Doyle yeah. from the Indianapolis Star coming up. Shot, 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 shots. Everybody. It's Tuesday. Aaron shots time. That's right. It's a Tuesday. So, you know, it's coming. It's Spain and Fitz. Jeff turn in for Fitz tonight on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. ESPN Radios presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Happy, as always, on Tuesday nights to welcome in one of our faves from Football Outsiders, Aaron Schatz. I'm just going to go straight Homer to start this because I've been good all season long. But after what we saw from Justin Fields this past weekend... I want to know how you view what he's been doing in recent weeks. They're they're designing run plays for him. They're obviously using his legs. But this is a guy who was a tremendous passer in college. Are we sort of conflating our expectations for him and also the limitations of this Bears team into believing that this is what he has to be? Or with an offensive line and weapons, can you combine what we're seeing with the legs with a bunch of other more traditional quarterback play?
4: I don't know about the more traditional quarterback play because we would have to see him with a better line and with more weapons, and we really haven't seen that. I mean, they went out and they got Chase Claypool, but we've only seen one game with Chase Claypool. The the stuff with his legs has been fantastic, and he's been a better passer the last few weeks, but he hasn't particularly been a good passer the last few weeks.
0: You know, Aaron, uh, I'll stay in the division. I'd like to be a homer and go to my Pittsburgh Steelers, but there's not a damn thing I really want to talk about right now with (laughs) Pittsburgh. Um, In my neck of the woods, though, it was Packers fever heading into the year. They don't want to be heard from right now, so I'll ask you about Minnesota and the Vikings. We saw Kirk Cousins with his shirt off looking much better than Adam Schefter last night, but we did see Minnesota get another win. Do you believe this team is a Super Bowl contender, not only the record being good, but the actual team?
4: Yeah, I'm not a believer in the Minnesota Vikings. Neither are the numbers that we keep. We actually have Minnesota 18th in our ratings this week, despite the fact that they are 7-1. and one. Yeah. Their offense actually comes out a little worse than it has been the last few years, where it was usually around 10th in the league, and this year comes out around 16th, and their defense is 19th. They have just a lot of very close wins uh their schedule has been easy it's going to get a little tougher uh my guess is that they're going to go four and four maybe over the rest of the season five and four i guess there's nine games left so that's going to give them a good record and a good seed in the playoffs but they just don't feel to be like a top contender they're certainly not playing as well as either philadelphia or dallas in the nfc and i don't think they're as good as san francisco either
1: it's Spain and Fitz. Jeff, turn in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. We're talking to Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. You can follow him at F-O underscore A shots. You know, you're feeling about the Vikings to be shared by a lot of us in the media. We don't believe in Kirk Cousins, and we're not talking about them like we should for a team with the record that they have. I want to know how, because you talked about your models and what they said about Minnesota right now. What does your model say about the Giants, understanding that before the season started, the prediction was for them to be absolutely horrific, and they're a thriving NFL team right now?
4: Yeah, I mean, basically, the Giants come out about as well as Minnesota does. The Giants are Hmm. 19th, so they're right behind Minnesota. Now, the, the difference, I'll say, is the Giants have played much better over the last few weeks than they did in the first couple weeks. The first couple weeks was when they got their, their lucky wins in, right? Like the last few weeks, their wins have been, have been you know, decent. So the, the Giants are playing better. They're trending well. But, again, the Giants, despite their win-loss record, they're not one of the top teams in the NFC.
0: Stay with me then in the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles 8-0. and But when you look at them historically against other teams that have started undefeated and got to the 8-0 mark, How do they stack up accordingly in your models versus those other teams that have had similar starts?
4: Yeah, so 24 teams since 1981 have started 8-0, and out of those 24 teams, the Eagles are 14th, so basically right in the middle. This is about the average of what an 8-0 team looks like, right? They don't all look like the 2007 Patriots.
1: Spain and Fitz, Aaron Schatz is with us here from Football Outsiders. You mentioned uh, those rankings. I'm looking at total DVOA on your site, and the aforementioned Eagles are at the top there. Perhaps the most surprising are Dallas at three, which is a team we all put to rest after week one in the Dak injury. And even more importantly than that, Seattle sitting at five, at six and three. How do you describe what you've seen from the Seahawks this year?
4: Uh, crazy unexpected. Like, yeah. I, I – the thing about the Geno Smith thing is that I'm a believer in it at this point. They're not giving him crutches. He's not living on short passes and yak. He's not living on play action. He's making real throws downfield. All the film watchers who I trust think Geno Smith is playing very well. And then their defense, uh, especially their pass defense has totally turned it around over the last few weeks to the point where for the entire season, they now have an above average defense. So, I mean, we are all going to have to go to Pete Carroll with a big mea culpa if this keeps mm. going because he is doing a phenomenal job with the Seahawks this
0: year. All right, let's talk about some more odds, specifically with individuals. And we got to see Patrick Mahomes have Patrick Mahomes' magic the other night, needed it against the Titans. Josh Allen had stumbled a little bit with in regards to the odds based on the stumbling of their team against the New York Football Jets the other day. Jalen Hurts up there at plus 250 with his Eagles 8-0. We saw Lamar Jackson last night, similar magic, to get them the win against the Saints. Um, Who is your NFL MVP up to this point in the NFL season?
4: I would pick Mahomes right now as MVP. Now Tua actually leads in passing value, but I think Tua's value is more dependent on his scheme and his receivers than Mahomes' value is. Uh, You know, Travis Kelsey obviously is awesome, but what Hill and Waddle are doing for Miami is phenomenal. is much better than you know. Not to diss Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's not doing what Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are doing for Tua Tagovailoa. So, I mean, I would give the award to Mahomes, but I do think Tagovailoa is a better candidate than people are giving him credit for. And I also think that look, if Philadelphia goes something like sixteen and one, a lot of people are going to want to give it to Jalen Hurts because they're the best team. The thing is, with Philadelphia, and this is also true of Buffalo, they are much more complete teams. So they're less dependent on their quarterback to be great because their defenses are so good.
1: Aaron Schatz is with us from Football Outsiders. You can follow him at FO underscore A Schatz. Jeff Turn in for Fitz here with me, Sarah Spain on Spain and Fitz. Since you brought up MVPs, I might as well bring up the last two, which happens to be the same guy who's, at no risk of winning it again. I want to hear the data behind Aaron Rodgers being so bad because I'm very much enjoying it, but I want to know more than just the subjectivity of my eye telling me he's bad.
4: Yeah, they're 18th in passing in our numbers. Uh, Mm. He's having trouble throwing outside, like the deep outside type shot. I think some of it has to do with the receivers. Um, The offensive line play has been better than I think people – think so i think it's more about the receivers than it is the offensive line with rogers struggling but i mean he absolutely seems like the kind of guy who had to be on the same page as his receivers and he's just not on the same page with these guys because a lot of them are rookies and i mean not even top rookies like samara tory was like a seventh round pick
0: yeah and i was going to bring up with regards to you know aaron Rodgers and the help he could get you know you heard odell beckham jr recently on a podcast talking about four teams that he's had conversations with, one of them was Green Bay, Dallas, L.A., and New York, uh, would it be a game-changer if the Packers could land him? Is that like a saving grace, or for the sake of Odell Beckham Jr. and you know the rest of his season, is it better to go with one of the other three teams and have a bigger impact moving forward?
4: You know, why would he want to do that? Why would he want to go to a team that's 3-6 and six and has no chance of winning its division at this point because they're like four games behind Minnesota? If you're Odell Beckham, why on earth would you want to do that? So, I mean, would he improve their receiving core? Yeah, I think he would make their offense better, sure. But, I mean, their defense is below average, too. It's just not not working out for them this year.
1: Yeah, man, this has been such a fascinating season to watch. I can't tell you how many times I've dropped those football outsiders numbers from the beginning of the season that said we're going to get a ton of parity and people weren't sure, but here we are watching some really great teams lose, some really uh, pretty not-so-great teams uh, staying in it. Thanks, as always, for the insight, Aaron. Appreciate it.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on. Talk to you guys soon.
1: Always love hearing from Aaron Schatz. Go follow him. Go follow football outsiders. Jeff Turn in with me, Sarah Spain, on Spain and Fits tonight on ESPN Radio. Coming up, we're going to reveal the top four for the college football playoff rankings. There's been a shakeup. We'll get into that, plus nod to the pod and a travel tale coming up next.
0: Spain and Fits, the podcast.
1: You can also hear ESPN senior college football writer Adam Rittenberg right here on Spain and Fitz in about a half hour, 40 minutes to break down those college football playoff rankings. Georgia taking over the top spot. Ohio State sliding into second with Michigan and TCU rounding out the top four. We'll give you the rest of them. And talk all about the decisions that the committee made this week a little bit later in the show. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jeff Turn in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at JTESPN. Uh, we'll be asking you to hit us up there in just a moment because um, I had a day and it was my fault. Uh, and we'll get into it but first uh part of the reason that i had a day today is because i have been traveling non-stop i think this is my fifth out of six and then i have a couple weeks at home before i travel again but fifth trip out of six in one month maybe a month and maybe maybe five weeks but um and so i got a little confused about airports but the place i just got back from super super late saturday night was the espnw women in sports summit this year out in ojai california Gorgeous, gorgeous resort, amazing people, amazing panels. Uh, you can find all of that if you if you go to ESPNWSummit.com. Um, you can go back and watch a lot of the content there. But one thing you might not find is my interview with St. Vincent. It was not able to be streamed on the site due to the number of F-bombs that were dropped at this Disney-sanctioned event. I believe yeah. it is available on YouTube. But... The good news is it's my podcast this week. That's what she said with Sarah Spade. And as you know, sometimes on the show and we've got a funny bit or something we want to pull off the pod, we do a little nod to the pod. So here's a hilarious story from this three-time Grammy Award-winning superstar singer talking hoops.
2: Here's this week's nod to the pod.
5: I hurt my wrist um, recently and... I don't, I don't see say that, that as some sort of like, like cop out that performers, performers do, do. Where they're like, "I'm really sick. I hope it." I, I but, but I want to tell, tell you that I hurt, hurt my wrist playing um, basketball with eleven-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. And there was a game, and it was called um, "Divas and Daughters," which I mean I think we kind of all object to that name to be like it's a, the premise is specious to begin with, but. Um, but it was for 11-year-old girls, and their are uh, mothers or aunts. In this case, I, have to, I happen to be an aunt. aunt. And um, so anyway, we start playing this game. There are rules, right? There's the um, no full court press, right? There's the uh, only adults can guard adults and only children can guard children, right? That makes sense. And on each possession, like, the child has to shoot first, right? You can't just in, you know. Um, so, great, love it, love rules. So I start playing, and there's a, a mother from the other team who is setting full picks on the children. And, I see her throw her hip out to trip my niece. She is not abiding by the no full court press rule. She is creating jump balls with children. And she's shooting first. So, um, me as a reasonable adult, I see this. I recognize the injustice, I start to get angry. And I'm guarding her, and I go up for a rebound, and I f- elbow her in the face. But besides that, but beyond that, but besides that, I, <laughs> I lost my cool. And I think you guys know, Like you, I mean, I don't know how much trash talk is like a part of the game or what, but I tell this mother of three, To get your f***ing hands off me. (laughs) (laughs) And And I I was was ejected from the game. game. (laughs) So. (laughs) But I felt felt like like I I could could share share that story story safely here. (laughs) And her form was bullshit.
3: For more, please subscribe and listen to That's What She Said with Sarah Spang on your smart speaker or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: I encourage you to listen to the full podcast. Uh, it involves Minnie Mouse and latex doing a mound of blow, uh, sleeping your weight at the top, and all sorts of other stories that you might not expect. I will say, Jeff, I don't know how familiar you are with St. Vincent, but I was terrified to do the interview because she is so cool. She is so fabulous. She has dated Kristen Stewart and Cara Delevingne and David Byrne. She's consistently named like the most fashionable woman in music. She's won all these awards. She's mysterious and unique. And I was terrified and she was super, super cool.
0: Yeah, that that would be where I would be at heading into that. I'm sitting right now in shorts and a sweatshirt, so I'm farthest from the most fashionable (laughs) person that you will find. So when I see these sorts of like, you know, superhuman individuals that have accomplished so much, and, you know, I I, I haven't. um, Yes, I get a little nervous too, but usually sometimes when you get into those conversations, you realize um, they understand like how it goes and and they make it as as easy as possible. They usually Mm -hmm. don't put up the barriers to make it difficult. And it certainly sounded like uh, she made it very easy to have some fun.
1: Well, and she was a true sports fan and an athlete herself, so she felt at home. Um, But, I mean, this is someone who literally fronted Nirvana for their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. And, you know, I mean, the kinds of cool points that she has for her to show up and tell us about getting kicked out of the Daughters and Divas or whatever that name of that game was, was pretty great.
0: Now, I will say this. I don't have a problem, though, when my son brings over his friends to our driveway to play basketball. I will lower the rim, dunk on all of them, act like I'm Shaq <laughs> shoving former Knicks out of the way. They got to learn. And I have, they have no shot. Uh, I play tennis yeah. with my son, and I am spiking it like I'm Agassi in his prime right down his yep. throat, uh, teaching him. You know, Kids there's gotta only learn. one thing in this life, son. It's winners, okay? Winners, <laughs> all right? We need winners. No ice cream for losers.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I yelled hero at the end of her story because that is exactly (laughs) how – that's also why I do not play in those things. I have zero chill, and I definitely can't do anything at even like 98%. I'll play in a turkey bowl that's supposed to be fun, and I will lay out for balls. It's a problem. That's amazing. Uh, It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jeff Turn, in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. So that was my most recent travel, but I have been – dotting across back and forth across the country for weeks for a variety of things. So I got home really, really late at night, there was uh, daylight savings. I went to the bears game and tailgated very early the next morning. I'm like five hours of sleep. And all I had was yesterday to get like all of my life in order after a week and a half gone before leaving again today to come out here to Cornell, to do our ESPNW campus conversations. And I always fly Southwest. Southwest is out of Midway Airport in Chicago. So I've I've got an appointment, I've got things stacked. If I had to vote this morning, I had to send all my returns before they ran out and I owed thousands of dollars for clothes I wasn't keeping. I had to go to an appointment. So I just plug in Midway and I've got a full hour to eat and get myself to my gate. And then I look and realize, oh, I'm at United this flight. Oh my God, I'm on United, which means this flight is out of O'Hare. So I had to like sprint out, hop in a cab, shout out to my taxi driver because he hauled you know what. And it wasn't important to him to get there on time, but it was important to me. And I did give him a nice tip. Then I had to sprint through the airport, ask everyone in line to let me cut, sprint to my gate. I've got that like cough of where you like run a half a mile without, yes. without yes. stretching and carrying a bunch of bags um and then had to immediately come to the hotel so i i guess i, I we want to know your worst self imposed travel story a, a travel what? story that was your own fault so jeff start thinking now if you have one we'll get to it later in the show we want to hear your worst travel story that was your own fault at sarah spain at spain and Fitz, at jt espn is where you send them coming up why has tyree Hill been so successful in miami while well, Devonte adams hasn't in vegas Bill Barnwell will tell us that and all sorts of other NFL things coming up next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.